Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And now, a look at what happened two weeks ago at the LifeSurrect Media offices. Enjoy. So you're probably wondering why you're here today, Kyle. Uh, yeah, kind of. Well... There's nothing to be concerned about. See, okay, okay so now so. I'm going to have to stop you because I feel like now I should be concerned. Well, listen, I'll just cut to the topic at hand then. You, sir, <laughs> lucky duck you, have the week off. Okay. And what's the... Hey, guys, just checking in. So, Well, apparently we have the week off. Uh, no, you have the week off. I will be doing I'm, a podcast. I'm sorry. That isn't the Dude, deal. Dude, ever since we moved to the new spot, you have been acting up, and I'm not what? I'm, loving it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to settle into a new space? Not, not when it comes at my expense. Your expense? Because it's all about Fucking you. Right, Every, it's about me. You're the exactly. one who's been some kind of ray of sunshine through this whole process. At least I'm working on it. You're tossing two years of hard yeah, work talking, back I'll in toss my a face. couple knuckles in your face, oh, too. Oh, Okay, guys, I don't think... Shut, Shut up, Trevor, this isn't about, about you. And another thing, let's not let's pretend... Can, some, can like someone roll the... Me on, okay? Music, thank you. Yes. Life's a wreck. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Life's a Wreck. I am Kyle Moore, and joining me here, the gigantic liability, apparently. <laughs> Stop. Come on. No, you know, after all we've been through, you put me on timeout? Like, I mean, don't. Kinda, yeah. See, this is what I don't fuck with. You get better, and I'm using these little, like, quotation mark, bunny your fingers, whatever, right now and then you think that you can just like boss me around without thinking about me just no welcome to the back burner and i don't like it back there okay we've done a lot of work and it's it's just kind of i think it's a bit of a slap in the face okay so here's the thing for anyone who missed it two weeks ago on the podcast i sat down and basically just like talked through my stream of consciousness surrounding the move to halifax just wanted to get some things off my chest this is literally what this podcast was built for And I decided to just fly solo on this one. Fly solo. And before you jump in, I think it is important to clarify that it's not about putting you on the back burner, okay? It's about me understanding when I just need some time. All I'm saying is it just stings. Oh, yeah, it stings. But when there's a relationship, 
that you have to work on sometimes to make that relationship work. And in this case, it's the relationship with ourselves. It's about taking the time that you need. Yeah, but I didn't need that time. Yeah, but bro, that's that's the thing is that I did. And I'm glad I took that week to chill because now we're back and I feel amazing. And, you know, that's the important yeah. thing. I don't know, whatever. I guess so. I see. I, I don't. I, I just think that it sounds like you might have actually see, just now. Like I don't think that that's which, necessarily accurate. I think that we're looking a little too deep into this. No, I think. I think you missed our little like banter, a little back and forth. I think. I think this was just a. a this was a tough week for you without me around. I did not, and now we can definitely move on. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, of course we can. You big softy. Look at us back at it. Me, the front man. You who just. The doting co-host missed me so much. Hey, man, let's talk about Tether. How about that? Okay, there, sports. Uh, guys, we have some actually. We have some really exciting news about uh, Tether this week. Um, so, not only have we partnered with Tether, but the boys are getting paid, baby. Couldn't bury the lead on that one, eh? Sorry, I'm just excited for the wheelbarrows full of cold, hard, stinky capitalism we're going to be getting because of this creator link it's it's for any that for anyone listening it's a bit of an over exaggeration fucking wheelbarrows but we do have a creator link uh though so for anyone who might want to try the tether pods life's a wreck uh gets a kickback for all the new and returning members who use our referral link uh which will be available in the description of this episode and all episodes going forward and across social media uh, over the next couple of days. So make sure to check us out there. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Rec Podcast. Uh, and uh, currently we're working on filling out some other social media accounts. So uh, stay tuned for that. But for those well. of you who have just been like living under a rock uh, or just new to the pod. It's true. I kind of forget that we're a podcast. New people are listening. So, so welcome. Uh, Tether is this amazing peer support social network for men who have been facing challenges in their lives or simply are looking for a space to talk openly about their mental health. And one of the best parts of Tether are the Tether Pods, which are these virtual men's groups that have helped us out a ton. I think I've been at it for about seven months now, working on seven months. Um, And it's honestly, it's just amazing to have that community there, to have that support system there. And if you now use our referral link, we get a kickback. It helps Life's Rec continue what I can only describe as its meteoric rise to mental health podcasting supremacy you'll love to see it get me fired up do you got anything else uh housekeeping wise before actually, we yeah. hop into things uh, as we introduce our guest for this week and we get into it it is good to know that in this episode we do touch on topics such as the loss of a parent self-harm addiction so even though we go about this conversation and we approach these topics with that that conversational nature that we've become known for it is good to keep in mind as we get into the episode with our guest today who is amy Corey. Amy is a TEDx speaker, mental health keynote and public speaker, singer, songwriter, which by the way, if you uh, listen through the episode, I'm going to play one of her songs at the end of the episode. She's absolutely like incredible. So just just yet another thing to stick around for, which is just fantastic. Uh, and uh, she's also a goodwill ambassador to Holt International and HCMC Peace and Development Foundation. She's only 24. Her mindset has not only created this rapidly growing empire throughout multiple industries, but it's the drive and her passion to understand the misunderstood and help heal whoever she can reach around the world in everything that she does. She is truly an, like an amazing, amazing person, and I'm so glad that we had the chance to connect and that you guys will be introduced to her and her story, and I just hope that 
I just hope that it will resonate with somebody out there because it's it's pretty amazing. So let's just jump right into it. Amy, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Well, I'm good. I'm excited about the switch that we are now very into um, fall mm. and we're feeling fall. And I think for anyone who's in business, anyone who has a continuous career gets a little bit of anxiety at the end of the year on everything we didn't do this year right. and everything we have to do next year. And I think I, mm. I feel that every year um, is just anxiety months, especially when I was in the music industry. Like I remember I would go into my manager and I would have the exact same um, issues as, you know, Dolly and all the other people. And it didn't, doesn't matter who you are. You're just kind of like, oh, I was supposed to do so much this year. Right. And now you move it on to the next year. So I feel that type of anxiety, mm. but I think always I'm able to just kind of ground myself with it and be like, okay, you know, there's still time. Right. So, so that's kind of been my mood. And um, it's been a long day of other meetings and stuff like that. So I'm ready to um, have a nice therapy session. I love podcasts because, you know, you get to speak and by speaking, you you let things out that you might be holding in. hundred percent. And so I've always loved that aspect of podcasts as well. Yeah. So I'm doing really well. Good. Well, I'm glad, <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, for me, like this is my therapy. My one, a huge form of therapy for me is connecting with very, um, you know, interesting, amazing people like yourself and having real conversations and being able to share them. And, and just even like when I'm going through this transitional period of my life where I'm changing geographical locations, um, I hopped on the mic last week and uh and recorded an episode just me basically staring at a blank wall in my new apartment uh talking about what i was going through and it was so nice at the end of it like sitting down and i think that this is the case with a lot of things like sitting down was so tough like actually just kind of saying like okay i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna record a podcast episode it was really tough kind of had to fight it a little bit but once i got done i was just like this is this is the best this is bliss i know it's amazing i feel like whenever you have to just do things that are out of your comfort zone. You have the anxiety and then you just get into it and you just are like, yeah, this is, you know, this is fine. Mm -hmm. This is just fantastic. I used to, that used to happen. I would sing, I would be, I would dread going to some gigs and then you're upstairs or on stage doing what you love. You just don't you know, then never want it to end. And you're like, okay, why was I, you know, anxious at yeah. the beginning when you just love it? Have you ever reflected on that and kind of thought like, why do it? Cause with me personally sharing from my own experience, like, I always find that it's this idea of I've always battled with perfection a lot in my life. This idea that I, I create this problem almost where it's like I have to sit down and I have to put together the best podcast episode or I have to put together the best public speaking performance or whatever it may be. And then once I get up and I kind of just like let the let me myself be human and let the flaws happen and just kind of let whatever's on my mind kind of come out. Then you're like, you know what, this just feels a little bit more natural. So, I mean, how, why, why would you experience that kind of a uh, little bit of excitement and anxiety feeling? You know, I was that way too. I used to be really intense. I used to be, if it's not going to be perfect, if I know I'm not 110%, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Hey, preach to the choir. I, I didn't want anything. Yeah, didn't, you, didn't want, you don't want anything less than the best. Mm -hmm. But I think mentally I realized that, by putting myself at the top already, when I know there is still so much to grow, in the end, you never want to be the best or the smartest in the room. And I think most of the time I was just in a room with myself and I already thought that I was at the top. And then I would critique myself so hard. I would film everything and judge myself so hard. 
And it actually was a lot of my older mentors who kind of just, you know, told me to just close my eyes and then open my mouth. And then when I opened my eyes to just start and to just go, and it brought down that series a lot more to know that, you know, I do my best every single time, but I should never think I am the best in it. Right. And to always be nervous and to always just have that passion to do your best instead of just automatically just giving up because you know it's not going to be that way. Yeah, that actually reminds me a lot of I had a friend in university uh, who was kind of like one of my earliest inspirations, I guess you could say, in terms of performance because she was this really incredible actor who had started acting at a young age, had been on like iconic shows like Caillou and Degrassi, and she had done like really amazing stuff. And I had kind of talked to her about when I first started the podcast, how nervous I got interviewing people. And, uh, and one of the things she said about performance is anytime you go into a performance, it's almost like you're, you're a plant who has direct sunlight for the time that you're on that stage. You kind of get the opportunity where it's like, you don't owe that time to anybody else, but like, as long as you get what you need and you kind of grow from that experience, it wasn't a wasted experience by any means. And it makes it so much easier to talk to people when you don't hold yourself to that level of like, oh, I have to ask boom, right question at boom, right time. And instead it's just like, I've got 45 minutes to kind of hone my craft and work on growth in my, within myself and within these skills that I really enjoy. And it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun for sure. So yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that you, and I can't tell that you were ever nervous. And I think that's <laughs> the you. thing is that it's, it's mission accomplished, it's, baby. It's Let's like, go. Yeah, I know, yeah. right. You did it. You did it. So it's like, it's just a muscle. Everything right. you do oh, is a 100%. muscle and you just work it out mm. and you get better and better and better. But there's, you should never, there's always room to be better. Yeah. And I think that's when you're too perfectionist, you think that you don't need to go anywhere. There's no need to grow. Mm. And I think that's what keeps so many, especially me, it kept me in my mind to where like, I thought that I automatically had to be perfect. Right. And so I thought I was, mm. and that is the dangerous mindset because then you destroy yourself when you're a human and you make mistakes. Right. So you you know, have something come up or you miss one line and just not, you know, you just can think that, you know, okay, it doesn't mean it was a bad performance. Mm. Like, um, you know, I've had mics go out on me or classics amps or something. Yeah. The classics and no one notices except you, but then they still all think it's the best performance. So why poison what your job is to make someone else's happiness happy if you think it's bad, but they think it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like that's, don't poison how the experience was. That's a really beautiful way of putting performance because I think that like when you're in the field that we're in, in terms of like public speaking and that kind of stuff, it's like you are essentially providing a service like, you know, and that can be really daunting, but I'm really curious kind of like how you kind of found music and how you found your performance life. Because I, I mean, we'll talk about everything that you know we've kind of already had a little bit of a chance to to discuss (laughs) but one of the things I really want to start on hearing you talk about uh Dolly and uh you know being in Nashville and and watching your TED talk and hearing you sing which was by the way incredible so like (laughs) yes kudos to you because it's supremely talented and if anybody hasn't checked it out I will put um you know, your, your TED talk and any music that you'd like to share in the description of this episode, because it was really real. I was very much blown away. So, you know, just had to make sure that I slipped that in there. But yeah, how, how did you find music? 
Well, you're so sweet. I appreciate it. Um, my parents accidentally got me like a tiny child's karaoke machine when I was like one years old. Amazing. So it's really their fault. And, um, you know, my, my, my family is very um, traditional in jobs with doctors and lawyers. Mm. And so um, I stuck through it. I, I stuck with it. And for my um, eighth birthday, I got to start vocal lessons with a guy named Ken Orso, who was taught by a guy named Seth Riggs, who made Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder. Wow. And then when I moved when I moved to Nashville, I just I never gave up. And I had that 10 years of vocal lessons. And I decided that, you know, I was always told growing up to never get into a fight unless you know everything you're fighting for. Mm. And I felt like I could hold myself in this industry. And I felt like I didn't need college. So it's, I, I, I moved to Nashville instead of going to college. And I just loved singing. When I was nine, I did my first big performance. And I sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I got my first standing ovation. Oh, yeah. I and love that. <laughs> to start out with that big performance as my first, I just fell in love with, with the stage. I mm. fell in love not only with like myself being on that stage doing what I love, but the audience's happiness mm -hmm. and their reaction something I was doing. Mm -hmm. That's what really got me on to performing was taking away my passion and working hard for, you know, singing and performing. It was the reaction, the happiness it gave people. Mm. And that really became that passion on just wanting to help people, whether it was with my music, my speaking, or just talking on the streets. Yeah. And so when I moved to Nashville, I just seven days a week did you know writer's nights and it was the best time of my life because I had no other responsibilities Amazing. <laughs> and I eventually you know I came into Nashville knowing that you know I was uneducated a lot I didn't have a lot of experiences and I was 18 I hired a lawyer um, who has saved my career and my very butt smart in every contract and everything I've done and then I felt safe enough to just go out and to just be myself and see who was open. Because, I mean, I, I am Asian mm -hmm. going into the country music scene in 2015. Right. Um, so it was, it, was, it was very, I knew it was going to be hard. Yeah. And so with that mindset, my walls went up to being like, this is going to be hard, but I'm just going to do mm. it. And I eventually started looking into artist development knowing that you know there's still a lot i want to learn in the business and the music side and in my own brand and who i want to be and i signed with um kent wells who's who's dolly parton's producer and that was a really big step in such a and it was only a year after i moved to nashville wow. we were able to work that 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 person and um, yeah. How was your and, mental health throughout that whole process? Been. Because I mean, like that sounds like a lot of big changes and a lot of exciting changes, but like very quickly and, you know, <laughs> in a time where a lot of other people, I really our age would have been kind of going through a much more structured part of their life. And, you know, those are key development uh, years. So, I mean, like how, how did you go about uh, keeping yourself mentally healthy during such a exciting, but I'm sure very like nerve wracking time? Yeah, I you know, I look back and I think I could never do it again. Right, like, right. that's the interesting thing. I was just like, I had so much energy mm. and like as much energy as I have now, it it's a different type of energy. Right. I always say it's really fun and it's really easy to create something because mm. all you have to do is put in the hard work and the knowledge to do that. 
it's harder to maintain something. Mm. And so during that time, I knew that it wasn't going to be easy. And so nothing surprised me in this. I just was able to be like, okay, this is the challenge now. Mm. What's the solution? And that was a very healthy way to make sure that I wasn't destroyed by the influences or the negativity or the hatred aspect of it. Mm. It was really just me against me. Right. But I knew that, you know, I could do and I believed in myself and I believed in what I could do. And I knew that, you know, I just wanted to do it. Yeah. And that fire and that passion led me. And I think at that time too, I was still, I was, you know, paying rent. I had a day job. I was doing all the work, but at 18 and 19, especially moving from a tiny, tiny town in Southern Oregon, I still was very innocent to the world. Mm. And so a lot of things that I'm aware about now, I was not at that time right. to where I, you know, was making my own money, but I didn't have as many responsibilities or things to pay or employees to pay right. this and that. It was just me yeah. being able to use my money to whatever I wanted to and my time um, and not have to worry about, you know, the things that cross my mind nowadays right, exactly. <laughs> that I have to think about every day. Um, and then I was very strict too with my, um, with my love life. I, I was single the entire time as well. So it was just me. Um, I didn't see, you know, my family that much. Mm. I just stuck to it and did what I can and just was like, you know, I'm going to work now right. and I'm going to celebrate that time later. Mm. So. See, it's interesting because I'm somebody who I've actually had to kind of go out of my way in life to celebrate the process. Um, because I found that I've been very tough on myself as I've kind of went through this whole, uh, journey, which I definitely see a little bit of reflection in, in your story and, and kind of what I'm going through, even just right now, uh, this idea of working a day job, pursuing the dream, uh, being in a new space, you know, kind of like that focus in now and, and focus on me. So, you know, it's definitely, uh, it, it's always interesting to hear how people kind of go about their process because it's always so different, but you have to find what works for you. And I love the fact that, uh, that you were able to do that. Um, one thing that I did want to point out is when you were talking and you're talking about me versus me, that's so mental health oriented, that me versus me mentality. And I'm kind of curious, like when you recognize that, because obviously hearing about your story, you went through a lot in your younger years that were very like external sources, uh, cyberbullying, bullying. I can imagine that that you versus you was a really tumultuous relationship for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's what really helped me in my recovery years and why, you know, I did go through a lot with the cyberbullying mm -hmm. and self-harm and eating disorders and attempted suicide when I when I was in my earlier teenage mm -hmm. years. And it was always pretty much me versus me. Right. And it got to a point where, you know, when I was about to come out of out of these issues to recovery when I was literally going cold turkey it was it was just brought upon me by my mind that you know the only person standing in my way to do exactly what i want to do with my life to stop what i'm doing with what i'm doing right now is myself mm. like it's just my like shadow self yeah. telling me that there's nothing better than this life than what i was living feel that and settling for that yeah. so it was me versus me mm. and i kind of just pushed her down and kept moving forward. Yeah. No, and it's true. And I, I find that uh, for me, like I was somebody who 
seeing the abuse that I went through at my own hands made me, it was like this compounded hate for yourself, right? Because you felt, or I felt, I should never say you, I felt that if my inner self, if my true self or what I believe to be like my true self hated me so much, this kind of like mind brain, almost kind of two spirit clashing kind of thing, then I was going to try to push back. And then all of a sudden you've just got this internal fight back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And there's very little peace in that time. And so as I grew up, like it was truly that idea of it's like, it's not me versus me anymore. It's like me versus me, but like we're on the same team. We're we're going against the the world, but like we're playing for the same team here. Like, why are we trying to hold ourselves back? So that was a huge realization for me. Uh, and it definitely sounds like that, uh, you know, something similar might've happened uh, with you as well. Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, it's always nice to talk to people who have, you know, experienced stuff too, oh, but have course, made it yeah. out and have that mindset. But I think that's um, a really big thing is I always, I always say now that the way you love yourself, the way you're kind to yourself is showing the world how to be that to you as well. Mm. And so I think for so long, I was hating myself so much. And then a lot of hatred just came into my life and into my way. And that was that was that Mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's always funny like this idea of what you're putting out into the universe and and how you find a lot of it coming back to you and it's like and it's it's scary because a lot of the time when you are in a dark place like that can compound with external factors whether it's like relationships crumbling I know when I was at my darkest uh, I went through like a breakup I was uh you know having trouble at work I was having trouble maintaining friend groups and it was like as this like internal life was crumbling, like external life was crumbling. And then as I picked the pieces back up and built the internal back up, everything else seemed to kind of click back into place. And that was, you know, and that was really great. So it really does. It starts and ends with you. Oh, always, always. I think as long as your inner world is happy, is good, is safe for you, no matter what happens externally, you're always somewhat calm Mm -hmm. because you know that in the end it's, it's safe where you are. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in 2020, I felt that because I actually lived here in Nashville for six months and I lived in London, England for the other half and realized that externally, nowhere was really safe. Mm. The, only, the safest place for me was within myself. And it's the only way I was able to stay calm through that time. Yeah. And so as long as you're nurturing yourself and your body and your soul mm-hmm. And you're taking care of yourself. The world will take care of you, and others will take care of you mm-hmm. as well. One thing I do want to backtrack on, and I, I'm sorry, I am bad for this. I, I'm somebody who like <laughs> I hear something in a conversation, I pick up on it. I'm like, oh, I want to jump in and ask that right away. But then it's like, oh, I don't want to interrupt. And then next thing you know, you're like on a topic way down the road, and you're like, okay, I still want to hit on this point. One, th- I'm so with it's, you. <laughs> it's tough. It's that's this is the worst part of interviewing right here when it's like, hey, pause that thought. Let's go back like three, four minutes. Um, but one of the things I, I have to make sure. I think we definitely have to start talking about self-harm in a very addictive way because something that you had said of the idea of, you know, you use addictive terminology to talk about your self-harm. And I think that that's something that people don't really see self-harm as an addictive thing, but I would love if you'd kind of detail a little bit of your experiences and why you use that kind of terminology to describe what you went through there. Yeah, of course. So self-harm started out for me from the bullying. I I just wasn't, I didn't feel safe anywhere and ended up not feeling safe within myself. And so it was, I talked to a lot of um, experts and therapists who's like, was it because you wanted to feel something or was it because you were feeling too much and you're trying to release it? And it was both. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, I felt very numb 
and I hated myself and I wanted to feel something. And so I self-harmed, I cut myself and all of that. Mm. And then it got to a point where I was happy again. I was feeling, I had emotions, but every single emotion I would cut myself because it felt like too much. Mm. And so after that was about a year, it became an addictive personality to if I was sad, if I was mad, if I was angry, annoyed, heartbroken, I would just rely on the only thing that ever gave me some type of feeling right. and some type of control, mm. which was that self-harm. And it was that cunning. And that is the only reason and way I actually did it for about five, six years was because it became such a habit and it became so addictive right. that it was the only thing that kept me you know, sane at that of time, course. just like alcohol, just like drugs. Yeah. And I think that is a big misunderstanding that's starting to be understood is that it's an addictive personality. It replaces the dopamine mm -hmm. within you to know that, okay, that's my happiness. Right. And so it's quitting and stopping is as cold turkey as stopping alcohol or drugs. Mm -hmm. It just, you have to just stop. Yeah. And, and was it one of those things that that quitting cold turkey i know that for a lot of people i've had different addicts uh or recovering addicts come on the podcast and, and talk about their experiences and the idea of cold turkey some are like yep went cold turkey and it was the hardest three four five months i've ever had and then it just got like uh, immensely better some people kind of talk about how cold turkey is something that wasn't even on their radar because they it just wasn't possible at that time like how did you go through that recovery process it took me about I wanted to get better mm -hmm. um, when I was around 15. Which is a I really, huge place really to start. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the thing is I always say you got to understand it and you have to communicate it with yourself to be able to communicate with other people. And if you can't, you're just throwing empty words totally. that will never actually stick in either mind. And so I wanted to, to stop, but I was still addicted to yeah. it. I, I still would break that. And then um, I found out at the same time I was fighting those, my mom was battling cancer. Mm. And so we found out she had about six months to live. And that kind of was for me that push to not only make the, her life better for those six months, but to make my life better for the rest of that time mm -hmm. and also beyond that. Mm -hmm. And so that was the push for me to go on quote, cold right. turkey. But I think, yeah, of course, those, I always say too, it's kind of like when you end a relationship, but you're used to talking to that person every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's just weird yeah. after when you just stop and you don't know what else to do with your life. That's kind of in a sense what it's like to, to quit. Mm. You just, you just have to find a new way of comfort and a new healthier way to comfort and find the balance between emotions and toxic emotions. Mm. I remember for a really long time, I did not let myself cry. I did not let myself feel any emotion which is why i stayed single it's why i, I avoided you know relationships and emotions because i was so scared that if i got emotional i would turn back to self-harm and then having to go through that process i'm like no like you know i'm not a robot i'm a human right. i can feel things and i need i need to feel things to be able to grow to be able to understand but by feeling things it doesn't mean i just have to go back to self-harm mm -hmm. It means that I can just feel it and cry it out, which I found is the best way to do yeah. it. And to um, find, you know, and understand the root mm -hmm. of that instead of 
you know, distracting myself. I always say it was a distraction. It was a habit. It was an addiction to go then going back to that. Yeah. Well, and reprogramming emotion, I can imagine is, is a pretty substantial undertaking, especially, you know, when you're, when you're going through like something as, as heartbreaking as the loss of your mom, as you're trying to just learn how to feel health, like learn how to feel in a healthy way again. And I, and I, that was one thing that when we, when you had told me your, some of your experiences and we had chatted before, like it still sticks with me so much. The fact that you were so young when you did get on this road to recovery and, it, and it's, and it's amazing. And I definitely hope that whoever's listening to this podcast, regardless of age can take something from that story. But I, I, it, it's so interesting to me and it's, and it's really beautiful how you went through such a massive emotional shift when you'd think that the external forces, obviously with, you know, the grief coming up in your life would be a really tough emotion to handle, but yet you're trying to learn how to feel that in a healthy way. I mean, like how, what did that process look like for you? It was really hard, especially because, so my mom passed away right around when I was 16, 17. And then I moved to Nashville when I was 18 and signed to an arts development, um, when I was 19 and then a lot of emotions in that music and and a lot of emotions. And then, um, my, my, you know, my team never told me to not feel, but I wasn't allowed to feel in public. Mm. Like it, it it was a very hard process. I really had to learn, um, by myself because as supportive as my team was in music for my recovery, you know, they never told me, Oh, like it's fine if she only eats a salad a day or, (laughs) It's fine, you know, if she's sad so she can write a really good song. Like it was it wasn't encouraged, but it wasn't looked down upon. And I realized at that time that, you know, I can't rely on anyone else but myself. Mm-hmm. And I really had to just sit. And obviously I you know, I lived alone and I was able to have that time to myself to really just get to know myself, mm-hmm. really get to know my limits, really get to know when I was too tired or to this or sliding back into a past habit and just becoming a self-aware of myself and my mind is really what you know got me moving forward to becoming and working to be the best version of myself so I can be the best version for my career and for my life and for other people and I think realizing that you know you I used to think after everything that happened that nothing else bad could possibly happen because I've been through everything right, yeah but I you've paid your dues on, at this point like come that's on that's what I was I mean that's what I was thinking it's like I paid my dues but at the same time I realized that life is life yeah. and life happens and when life is done teaching you when life is done guiding you to your whole purpose mm. that's when you pass away that's when you die yeah. And so why am I frustrated about life instead of just living it and navigating through it and accepting that life is the way it is mm. and there's only so much I can control? But the number one thing I control is myself and also my reactions mm-hmm. and how I work through things and my mindset and just overall me. And so that's why I always say the world doesn't always get better. You just do the things that used to affect me have have no effect. I'm like a Teflon pan to it. There it just bounces go. off of me. So it's just it's just learning. But that's the power that I love inspiring and lighting in other people is that 
I can show you that it's possible to do, but obviously we're, everyone has a different life. Totally. And so everyone gets to find that and live that within themselves. Mm. I just always want to remind people that it's so worth living. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like that's <laughs> no, right? Like it's, it's so true. Like that's one of those things I always, so this is actually a conversation that I was really looking forward to have, having with you because one of the things that uh, you brought up in your TED talk. Uh, one of the things that we you brought up when we we had talked before um, is this idea that your hero is you in ten years, mm-hmm. and I love that because I think that that's absolutely fantastic, and you should always be striving to be and one day meet the best version of yourself. Um, I've always kind of been of the mindset personally that my hero is me five years ago uh, instead of me ten years from now because I kind of see the kid who went through all of that like pain and that misery and and decided to make the the make the choice to live a happier life to kind of like cognitively be like there's an issue here and if i want to get the most out of this weird thing that we've that that we call life i gotta i gotta kind of do something about this and so now i'm at this point where i'm like the happiest i've ever been i've got thriving relationships and that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for that kid way back way back then so that kind of um you know, that was just something that, uh, that had popped in and just kind of wanted to make sure that, uh, I, you know, I, I just, I would love to know kind of when that philosophy of like this future self being your hero came about. Well, first of all, I love that. Of I love when you can accept that this is who you were and you wouldn't be exactly who you are without mm. it. And, you know, it's, it's, you can, you, I always say, and I said in my um, TEDx talk, is that um, we suffer from the um, memories of the past and the imagination of the future. Mm-hmm. And so which it's best to stay present. But it's when you're present, you can write a future based on what you've learned from the past. Mm-hmm. And that is all. I studied Buddhism for a long time, so that is more of that aspect. But I also just knew that, you know, there's nothing I can change from my past. It, it has already happened. Yeah. But instead of feeling sorry for the girl I was, I thank her for being able to leave all of that with her. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I always just see it as, you know, three different selves, mm-hmm. you know, this was who I was. This is exactly who I am now as I work for who I want to be in the future. I like that. And that's why I always get so excited when, you know, um, bad things happen, good things happen, is that it's shaping exactly and transforming me to be someone that I'm honestly, I always get so excited to meet, mm. but know that I won't get to be that person unless I'm completely present now to make her. Right. And so I always, it's, it's kind of like relationships. Like I feel like everyone's dream person is out there because you can create it. Right. You can, you know, <laughs> like if you can create yourself to be whoever you want to be, that person you can create and there's, you know, 7 billion people in the world. It's a lot of people. That, there's a lot, of, a people lot of people. And, <laughs> <laughs> so I truly believe that, mm. you know, you can create and become anything and anyone and that limits, there's no such thing as limits. Um, limits are meant to be tested. And once you go beyond that limit of 
what you think is possible, you'll never look back. Yeah. I always like to kind of think of that very similar situation where it's like, you remember those old cartoons that we used to watch as a kid when you watch like the Bugs Bunny show and you got like Wile E. Coyote and he would like paint that thing on the wall and the Roadrunner would like run right through and he's kind of like looking at it like, what, you know, what the hell's going on here? I always kind of think about that like us too. Like we always kind of like self-impose these boundaries with ourselves and we kind of go like, I see this thing currently in my life based on my experiences and that means that there is nothing beyond it. And then you just see somebody who comes along and they run right through and you're just like, like, what the hell like, what, can I do this too and then you do and you're just like wow there's so much more that can be hit and so to push through those those tough times and and, uh, and and to find that kind of new limit continuously is just such a beautiful thing so I'm, I'm very thank you for bringing that up that's really great thank you well that's a great comparison too and I think by, that's why I always say that it's nothing to tell someone what to do. You have to show that yeah, it's possible yeah. and that ignites the light within themselves to figure out how it could be possible for themselves. Yeah. Well, and you have to live it too. Like it has to, I think that like people, I, I've been guilty in the past of not giving people the credit that we're due as just being like creatures of being, we're so receptive and we're so diligent and kind of like what we take in. And so I was always kind of like, Oh, like, people are just kind of blowing smoke, whether whatever it might be, or like people are like bragging about, oh, look at this and look at that. And it's like when you actually just do it authentically and you're just like, hey, like this is, I'm not trying to prove anything. I don't want to try to show off, but I'm just like, this is where I was and this is where I am now. And this is me with all my flaws and everything else, but I'm here and I'm just a regular guy. Like, there we go. We can go from point A to point B. So uh, kudos to you for, exactly. for doing that and doing it across. Well, same to you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and look at us, eh? Like this is, this is great. <laughs> Dream team. Love it. Love it. <laughs> and I did want to say, like, you're also doing this kind of, like, inspiration work around the world because not only are you now in Nashville and and in that scene and, and influencing people across the country, really, with uh, with um, your, your mental health advocacy, but you're also working with the Vietnam government? Yeah. yeah. I So I was born in Vietnam mm-hmm. and I was adopted when I was six months old. And so I'm, I'm very, very American, but in all my roots are Vietnamese. And I traveled there in 2019 as an artist and was on tour. Yeah. And I had an agent in Vietnam and we, um, I, you know, it was really hard mm-hmm. because I actually did about six months. I even... I, I went out of veganism to go back to Vietnam. Like I was fully committed. <laughs> how, how was that process? I trust. I I ate chicken like I I've been vegetarian, pescatarian for like two you three years now. I had like a chicken burger like a year ago, and it just tore me apart. So I mean, kudos to you. That's some dedication for those of you who haven't went vegetarian and then went back. You don't understand the level of commitment that takes. So hey, hats off to you. <laughs> Thank you. I I used I always ate meat growing up. I have like a carnivore tooth and everything. And then I went gluten free and vegan for like health reasons. Mm. And then in Vietnam, the, the most beautiful thing is the meat is so clean. They, they don't know what GMOs are. <laughs> like that. so, the the transfer was very very easy. But I went in 2019, and I I truly knew that the biggest um thing that could go wrong is when i don't i don't speak fluent vietnamese but also i cannot go in back to vietnam because it was the first time i went 
since I was adopted, 2019. So that was, that was 21, 22 years mm-hmm. after I was adopted, I went back for the first time. And I knew I had to go back as Chinese and I couldn't go back as an American. Right. And by doing that, I went full local. All my friends I met were local. My agent barely spoke, you know, English. <laughs> like he spoke English, but to get me to learn, we, we captivated me. So I kind of just had to figure it mm-hmm. out because that's the best way to learn. Um, but I was on, you know, Vietnamese radio. I made a lot of connections. And then one of the connections I made was the assistant to this um, president of this of this foundation called the Ho Chi Minh City Peace and Development Foundation. And we started connecting. I started, you know, aligning myself with them because they're sponsored by UNICEF and they they work on the new age of peace and compassion within Vietnam and how to move forward from everything they've been through and move forward with open arms to not only everyone within Vietnam, because there's still a lot of tension between North and Central and South, but to also to the world. And it was just such a beautiful message that I really resonated with. And especially being Vietnamese, you know, wants the best for that country mm-hmm. and is always rooting that on. And in 2020, they signed me personally, the the president who was the former ambassador to Vietnam, to the EU and to Belgium Amazing. personally invited me to become their fourth ambassador, but the only ambassador that is American. Wow. <laughs> so it's it was, eh? it was, it was, it was, breathtaking it's probably one of the the most amazing honorable things because i just never i always wanted to to do something in vietnam but i never was educated or could ever expect that this was the way to go but you know life the things you expect always happens the way you unexpected of course naturally right so (laughs) i just let it flow i say don't resist you know, this is a gift and I've been working with them very closely since, especially with COVID um, and supporting as much as I can over there um, now. So. What are the, some of the big things that you've seen and you've kind of been educated on about how mental health rhetoric and, and kind of like mental health systems differ from America to Vietnam and kind of like why there's been such a importance put on mental health in one kind of uh, part of the world and seemingly, you know, in, in North America as a whole, like mental health still is a very like taboo subject, you know, let's kind of keep it uh, on the DL. Like if you need to take a personal day, like do it, but don't tell anybody kind of thing. So I'm just kind of curious, like why, you know, why you've seen such a discrepancy in the two. Well, I, you know, I almost feel naive saying this because I think I've always been aware of it, but you you listen with your eyes Um, that's always been something i've known since i was young and also in the music industry but being a goodwill ambassador to them and also i'm an ambassador with holt international adoption agency um seeing how mental health is a trauma for everyone and i'm not excusing the mental health issues here in the united states but i see mental health is caused by so many other things and in like places of Vietnam and a lot of the places that I have worked with, it's by poverty, mm. it's by, you know, family trauma, generational trauma, war trauma. And you, I think about how a lot of the times for me personally, and I'm not speaking for everyone, but I know a lot of the times for me, my mental health traumas was a choice. Mm. 
and it's not a choice for them. It's something that is their everyday life. I always say, I always use my birth mom an example for that. My mom, I have the um, birth documents and it has her year she was born. And I remember asking, you know, just assuming that's how they did paperwork in Vietnam. And I remember going to my mentors um, who are Vietnamese and going to, you know, you know, asking friends and this and that. And they told me that um, she was so poor when she was born. She doesn't know the day she was born because hmm. she was give, she was born and then she had to survive. Wow. There's birthday and the day she was born was the smallest yeah. non-existent right. thing that was on her mind. And even that brought the biggest perspective in my life, how there's a lot of trauma over there as well. But because it's such a collective trauma, such the country has a lot of trauma itself, it's very hard for individuals to be recognized for mental health traumas. Vietnam is just kind of coming out of that sense because of COVID. They're seeing a lot more on Facebook, on social media, that individual people are having normal mental health issues of isolation, of depression, of anxiety, of, you know, eating disorders. And it's finally getting to a point where, you know, they're recognizing not that the collective trauma of Vietnam, but the trauma of Vietnamese people. And that's a big move. And that's what I'm very much encouraging and trying to continue being outspoken there as much as here, because I was told that they have a lot of fear on asking and speaking out about it because, you know, their therapists are not certified. Mm. They don't have the privileges of mental health that we do. And so they, they have to figure it out by themselves, which is why I also am like, Oh yeah, I'm Vietnamese. I had to do that here. Like, (laughs) like it's, it's, it it is very much just themselves, Mm. but I think, you know, that's why we worked so hard on this um, TEDx talk to make sure that it spoke to the Vietnamese people as well mm. um, in an appropriate way. Because a lot of the times what I say in America is is not, is it means a completely different thing totally. within Vietnam. And so that was a big education as well. That's very cool. So what, what kind of things are like, what are your biggest focuses right now with your mental health advocacy? Um, right now I am continuing, I, I, by popular demand, you know, am, am working on a mental health blog (laughs) and I'm really excited about it and would love, I'm, I'll reach out when I need collaboration. Yeah. And And then, um, I spoke to my, my booking agent today and we have some really exciting, um, adaptions within mental health, public speaking that we're really excited to, um, to launch within the next couple of months as well. And um, my gotcha day is actually next month, November 10th. And so and what is a gotcha every... day for, for people who don't know? Because <laughs> when you had first said that yesterday, I was like, God, is, I actually thought I'll be perfectly honest with you. I thought it was a Vietnamese word. I was like, yeah, gotcha right? day? Like, yeah I was like, oh, like, what's, what's that mean? So, I mean, please enlighten my listeners who maybe already know, but I, I didn't. So... <laughs> You know, I barely knew what it was growing up too. So it's okay. A gotcha day is the day that I was adopted. Mm-hmm. And within the adoption community, we call it gotcha because, you know, they got gotcha. us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's what our parents would always would always say. Um, but it's the day that I was adopted. Mm. So as much as I, I always say, you know, my birthday gave me life. 
but my gotcha day gave me the life that I have Love today. That. It's beautiful. And so thank you. And so I very much um, try to give back during that time. And so I have um, partnered through my ambassadorship, some really amazing um, sponsorships with um, Saigon Children, which is a um, charity within Vietnam and the Lotus Foundation. Um, I just reached out to them, um, trying to help as many people as I can, especially, you know, understanding the privilege I have in this life and how it is I always recognize privilege as a responsibility mm. as, as when you have a privilege, it's your responsibility to help those who don't have that 100%. privilege. Yeah. And so Vietnam, you know, $1 is 25,000 Vietnamese Zong, which is their currency. And a cheap meal in Vietnam is about 2000 wow. Vietnamese Zong, which is a couple cents yeah. for us. And to think that, some people can't even afford that. You, you, you very, I'm trying to just bring awareness and donations and, you know, my support to Vietnam, especially, you know, after COVID mm -hmm. there's, there's as much trauma as any old country who has had COVID. Right. And I think a lot of the times, um, you know, and I, you know, I've been guilty of this too. Everyone's been guilty. We're, we're all, you know, in the end, somewhat self, I'll, you know, only look to see what we want to see. And I think we are all so concerned of what's happening within our own country, which is a very valid thing to do. But I think it's still, you know, it, it's all right to be everyone else in the world mm -hmm. who I always say COVID was the one thing that affected the entire world. Yeah. All the emotions are the exact same. Each mind, each country just has different people who feel that emotion differently. Mm but it's the same emotion. Yeah. So it's just being aware that, you know, it's a big world. Yeah. Oh my gosh, of <laughs> so course. we all just have to be kind and compassionate to everyone. And that's what I very much try to do with my career, with my life, but um, especially, especially during my gotcha day time mm. with, with Vietnam. That's so great. And it's so true. I mean, Thank like you. this idea of just shared trauma can be a really powerful thing. Like it's something that it's, it's tough. And I, and I always kind of say that it's like, it's so shitty to see such beautiful things kind of come from a lot of pain and a lot of trauma, but it's like, at the end of the day, you're still left with some really beautiful things. And we are in a time right now where it has been tough for a lot of people. And obviously people are going to put their family and their, you know, their, their people first, but you know, we are a all going through this and it's like and just to hear about the countries who need that extra support from you know countries where we do have privilege and thus responsibility like you said it's it's great that you're raising that awareness so yes that's that's really really great um i okay. do have one last question for you uh before i hop I'm into ready. the question though i just wanted to know if there was like anything uh you know else that uh you really kind of feel that you want to share uh, before we kind of wrap up today I mean, my my TEDx talk was a very special moment. And so I, I hope that everyone can use it and need it when they need it. I feel like, um, especially things when I come across YouTube that, you know, I might need that day. I'm, I just always want people to be aware that you don't need to look at it now. But if you ever need support, if you ever feel like you're alone, um, you can just watch that TED talk and watch, you know, so many others to know that um, you are understood. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I very much try to do with my social media accounts is I keep my 
DMs open if anyone just needs to feel understood and not alone Heard. that I'm there for them. Yeah. yeah. What are your socials? <laughs> give it a give it a quick plug. Um, I was very, very lucky that I never had to buy the domain Amy Corey from another <laughs> Amy Corey. <laughs> Try finding Kyle Moore anywhere, okay? <laughs> Impossible. I'm so sorry. I I was so shocked that Amy Corey was not yeah, taken. You, actually, you know what? That's a good point. You'd think Amy Corey, it's a pretty like, you know, standard roll of the dice, but I guess I, not. It's two first names. I was just like, I'm going to have to spend thousands of dollars, but um, I own it. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> it's just, just amycorey.com and Amy Corey across the web. So. Awesome. Good stuff. So the last question <laughs> that I have for you is at the end of every episode, I like to give out a challenge to my listeners um, just something that they can implement into their day, their week, their month, year, life, whatever it may be, just to live a happy, more fulfilled, more mindful life. And based on all of your incredible work, your incredible experiences, I would love to know what challenge that you would put forth uh, to anybody who's listening to this podcast right now. Uh, first of all, I love that. Thank you. Like, <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's, that's great. I think, um, I think for me, what has helped me probably the most in my life is taking taking some time. If I'm feeling any type of emotion that I don't want inside me, I don't want within my aura, my energy, it's an exercise that I do a lot. And it has to go through the mentality to be able to have the um, relief and the happiness from it. And so when I I have, I'm a big journal person. And so I have this one journal where I, if I'm feeling a really dark emotion, if I'm feeling something that I don't know how to communicate and I don't know if I'm ready to communicate, but I just need to let it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. I write it. Everything, no matter how dark it is, I write it and I let it live on that paper, but it cannot live within Love me. Love that. And so it's almost word vomiting onto a paper and letting it have its space, letting it exist until you are ready to deal with it, but to not let it poison within yourself. That's exactly what this thing is right here for me. (laughs) I love that. Amazing. Good stuff. Amy, honestly, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we had the chance to connect and and that you've come on and shared your story with with my audience. And uh, I certainly hope that uh, a few of them will reach out because I, I, I'm really proud of the community that we've built over here. And I think that, uh, I think that you would be well embraced in, uh, in said community. So, uh, yes, thank, thank you so you. much. And anytime you want to come back, just let me know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you have an amazing platform and podcast. And thank you for letting me be a part of it. Amy Court, Amy She's just out here, you know, just doing, just doing it. Oh, which dude, I just love absolutely. to see. The presence of mind at such a young age to go down that path, share a story across a bunch of different mediums. Yeah, it's really, really cool. I hope for it's anyone who's inspiring. listening to this right now, who's going through some like really tough shit in their life and has a feeling that they're maybe like too young or too old or too anything to like make that conscious decision to work through their trauma, start addressing the things in a way that's helpful to them. Like, I hope that this is just a testament that that doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, when you start. It's just a matter of starting. Put that shit on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, for real. And for those of you who want to check out Amy's TED Talk, which, like, amazing, highly recommend, you can go check it out through the link in her Instagram bio. And like we talked about, that is at Amy Corey. 
underscore. So at A-M-Y-C-O-R-E-Y underscore. So you still uh, a little chapped at me? Buddy, I'm, I'm always going to be chapped at you. But great episode, great topics, great content. Uh, follow us on at Life's Rec Podcast on Instagram to see that content. Yeah, man, I'm feeling better. Yeah, me too, man. And thank you guys all for tuning in. I feel like uh, I feel like sending this off today. I'm getting back to like my radio uh, broadcasting days because as we wrap up today, uh, instead of ending on the same note that we normally do, but we uh, you know, give it a little spice, courtesy of Amy. This is her song "Ghost Tour," and just remember that whatever path life takes you on, life's a wreck. And we'll see you in two just picture postcard town. There's nothing much for miles around, but a part of me lives there. I look around, it's all the same. I guess it must be me. change, cause I never felt so scared. And there's something in the air that follows me everywhere.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.